Flying Coach is back for a second season, Peter Schrager and Rams head coach Sean McVay are joined by guests from around the sports and entertainment world. They're discussing the latest NFL news, telling stories from their careers, and breaking down games from their unique perspectives. Check out Flying Coach Season 2 on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sunday edition of the Ringer NBA show. I'm Kevin O'Connor and joining me is the Ringer's Jay Kyle Man. What's going on, Kyle? Not too much, Kev. Just enjoying, you know, it was my son's first birthday yesterday. So we Happy were, uh, it's been just a fun time. Better than a year ago where we couldn't see anybody. So mm. and just in, having a good weekend on that front and then uh, watching some hoops. Interesting weekend for hoops. Yeah, De- definitely an interesting weekend. You were able to watch the Suns beat the Clippers 84 to 80 after celebrating your son's happy birthday. Happy birthday to him. I hope you had a good time with the family, Kyle. The Clippers did. did not have a good time last night. No, they did not. Suns fans are still celebrating despite the fact that that was one of the weirdest games very a very 90s game. It felt like a throwback, a vintage game because those used to be uh, a common place a game in the NBA playoffs throughout throughout the entire regular season with the way offenses are nowadays you don't see a lot of 84 80 games the Clippers had only 36 first half points then they exploded for 30 in the third quarter and it feels like the game was about to fall away from the Clippers who were slipping through their fingers Devin Booker was so frustrated he removed the mask the pace had slowed the Suns weren't playing well at all but then in the fourth quarter 15 to 14 Suns in the fourth quarter, hold on, win the game. It's one of the ugliest fourth quarters I've seen in a long time. But ultimately here, Kyle, Suns are up 3-1. Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns are one game away from the NBA Finals. Oh, yeah, man. And I think I think that I should eat a little crow here because I think you were right. I mean, when we were talking about this series and how it was going to go, I said I thought it could extend out. Um, well, I will say the caveat that I added on there was if Chris Paul was back, it could be six maybe even five that but ultimately I think I overestimated um LA's offensive dynamism really and and by that I just mean Kawhi not being out there or whatever for whatever reason their their lack of you know 
creation. It's it seemed like they have guys that can hit shots. We know that. It seemed it just seemed like they were they've always kind of been a step behind Phoenix execution wise in terms of like generating, manufacturing, like consistent, dependable offense. Um, I have three bullet points for this game. Three things that I think are like the big I think the game was won in the second quarter, in the middle of the second quarter for Phoenix. I feel like this stretch is what gave them, you know, a little a little pad. DeAndre Ayton was absolutely phenomenal in the second quarter defensively of this game. I kept Yo, um, he altered everything, Kyle. Literally everything. I mean, I, I haven't charted it. I I would be interested to go back and chart to see if he literally did, but he it was it was phenomenal. What he didn't block. He bothered. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really, really impressive performance. It, it it was really a culmination, I felt, of all the work he's put in over his three years in the NBA to improve his habits, impl- improve his ability to read the floor. It all came together for him throughout these whole playoffs, but especially in that game four. I, I thought it was an extraordinary defensive performance. He looked like an all-star big man. He looked like an all-NBA big man. It was absolutely sensational. At the very least, all defensive. I mean, at, at it, the least, exactly. Yes. Yeah, and and I got there were a couple times where you know the Clippers were trying to run pick and roll, uh, and you know Aiton gets a lot of credit. Obviously, we we've talked a lot about how good Bridges has been. Um, we kind of expected him to be good defensively. I feel like a lot of people who were paying attention did at least. But he got me thinking. I mean, they're on the track to be like the best young defensive duo in the league if they keep this up. I mean, I was thinking I was looking across the landscape and it was like. You know, Kawhi and Paul George have been considered, you know, uh, and then you have like Jimmy and Bam, uh, Drew and Giannis. I think you could probably throw Brooke in there, too. And then Simmons and Bede. I know that's not a that's not a popular <laughs> one to bring up right now. Might, might be breaking up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you think about that? Where do you think that they kind of what do you think their ceiling is in terms of like long term as, as a defensive duo? Do you think they have a chance to become one of the best or or the best? Certainly. I mean, with DeAndre Ayton, we're seeing what he can be when he's locked in every single night in the postseason. You know, credit for him for focusing and staying and maintaining his energy levels. I mean, in last in a Saturday night's game, he played 41 minutes and they needed those 41 minutes out of him, right? And then with Mikel Bridges, 39 minutes, defending multiple positions throughout the entire playoffs, different types of players you can stick him on. And I think with Bridges, when we think about great defensive players, we often think about man-to-man defense, you know, bothering a guy, poking at the ball, doing what Patrick Beverly has done this series. Like, Patrick Beverly has had a really good on-ball series against Devin Booker and last last round against Donovan Mitchell, too. But Mikel Bridges, a lot of it is positioning, it's intelligence, it's perfect, timely rotations, uh, it's rebounding, uh, and, like, that's a significant part of it, too. He had 13. Granted, there were a lot of missed uh, shots to rebound <laughs> in that game with the Clippers shooting 5 of 31 from 3 and the Suns shooting 4 of 20 from 3. Not a hot shooting performance from either team. But with Mikel Bridges and DeAndre Ayton, the both of those guys in their own respective ways certainly have potential to be on the upper echelon of defensive players at their respective positions. I think... You know, certainly one of the best defensive duos. There's not many good, great young duos for big and wings either, partially because the lack of bigs. I mean, Cat and Edwards could maybe grow into something. <laughs> Jokic and Porter Jr. already are. Sorry, I couldn't control my laughter. <laughs> how, how about how about Cat? How about Cat and McDaniel's? Is that better for you? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're gonna need to throw a plus in there somewhere. I, I'm not. I'm not. That's more of a cat statement. But yeah. anyway, of course, I'm not being fair there. It's. I, Anyway, Cat's improved. You were you were right the other night when you said he's improved, but he's he's yeah. definitely improved, but still not not the same level. 
for sure. And, and, and I think that I, <laughs> I, I, t- I tend to, and I've said this all over the place, but like I tend to take the philosophy of just rooting for young guys. So period across the board. Like I, I just enjoy seeing um, potential go to. I know I sound like a. I sound like a guidance counselor right now. I just enjoy seeing kids get their potential. Uh, I, no, I do. So, but with Aiden, I mean, when I first saw him, you know, the you didn't need to be, you didn't need to be Jerry West to have the eyeballs to see the potential for DeAndre Aiden. I mean, he his measurables were insane. He he just he showed all kinds of like signs of growing into something, and it's just been a. For me, actually, I'll say this. I'll give him. I I think this is a, a big compliment for for him. It, it, the most impressive thing to, for me is that the defense came first because offensively yeah. mm-hmm. he had he had things that he showed. It was just like okay, maybe someday DeAndre is like a a pick and pop guy. Maybe he's a post up guy who can you know flip his gravity and create for people weak side and things like that. And I think those things are going to come. But like I've been really really impressed that the defense came first and that it came to this extent. Yeah, and you know, a big part of that, I mean, he credits the people around him too. When I interviewed him earlier in the year for the Suns feature that I wrote, he's like, you know, I'm blessed by the basketball gods. And I asked him what he meant by that. And, you know, we put this quote in the avoid video I did too, but he pretty much just said, it's, you know, the body that I have, right? It's the athleticism that I have, but it's also the people around me. He mentioned Monty Williams, a veteran like Chris Paul, James Jones, the belief and trust and the investment that they've put in him, empowering him within this role. But you know what? He's also got to give himself some credit, though, for his mindset, too, because as a number one pick, you could just as easily like listen to all the, well, why didn't they take Lucas stuff and be like, I got to be a scorer. I got to score 25 points. Get me some post touches. Get me some opportunities to get turnaround jumpers and pick and pops. Like, I want to score. But instead... What he's done is accept the role where he's setting hard screens to create those shots for this team, even if he doesn't get a stat for it. He's rolling hard to the rim. He's finishing at an elite rate. He's crashing the offensive boards. I mean, we saw it. We saw it. Anytime the Clippers downsize or anytime Zubats is switched onto the perimeter, he is attacking the offensive boards, and he has such good touch with the right and left hand to steer the ball back in. It's like very subtle. But his ability to do that is elite. It's an elite skill for him. So he's accepted a more limited offensive role and fully embraced being the anchor of the defense, a guy who is so skilled, he can lock down pick and rolls. And if the Clippers are playing small, he has the ability to still survive and stay on the floor. He's not a liability. I mean, like I feel like for DeAndre Ayton here, he is showing the roadmap for how young bigs can thrive in the NBA without scoring. And, you know, we'll see uh, uh, some bigs kinds of the draft. Like Evan Mobley will be entering the draft. Guys should be watching DA thinking, if I'm not going to be a 25, 20 point per game scorer, here's how I can impact winning. DA's doing it. Aiton's been awesome. Dominating, Kyle. Dominating. Dominating. The the Bahamian (laughs) behemoth. You said like 10 things that I want to put a pin in real quick, but I, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, th- that was the thing I texted you I about. Love him, I, I, was, I love him, Kyle. I love him. I can talk about eating all day. <laughs> he's fun. It's fun. It's fun to see it happen. It's fun to see. He just positionally, he, I will say one thing. He he was, he had to be annoying as hell to box out during this game. I noticed that throughout. Zubach just looked helpless trying to keep him. Aiden was, 
eh, on the verge of being over the back a few times. But I mean, he was going straight up a lot of the time. Let um, those go. And, let those yeah, go. Just play ball. Hey, let, we, let them we, play. We those really need to seize any opportunity to just play in the NBA. Yeah. Um, especially considering the 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 fouls and things. If you looked at like the play the playlist, like the the play by play thing for this game, it was it was just like foul, foul, foul. It was yeah, brutal. Very, very choppy. Yes, but. Absolutely. That was something I said to you. I said, I really, I, I find myself thinking things about Evan Mobley that I thought about Aiton, where I, I was just like, man, if this, you know, if this goes this way, this guy could be positionally like a dominant defensive player. He handles it better than Aiton ever has, maybe ever will. But I just think you, you have to start thinking about guys who can remain physically dominant and not get played off the court. And I think what Aiton is doing is really interesting in his. And this ties into a bigger thing about the Suns that I think was key in this game is that like the lack of shot making uh, made made this game come down to which team is going to execute better, which team uh, is the thing about the Suns in general in the macro sense is that they don't bail you out with like aimless offense. If you look at like the way they play, they only really have one guy that they set loose and they tell to like just go wild and create, and that's campaign. He does sometimes. I mean, last night he had a sequence where he like went a little wild and you could tell Chris Paul was upset because he had a, a Zubac switch. But going back to eight and the other thing, you said another thing that I want to go back to, which this was the screening. And I went and looked this up. There, I mean, there is a stat for this. But so in, in 2018, 19, eight and average 4.2 screen assists a game. Last season, 4.1. This season, 5.6. So there's been, he was like number three, really high in the league. Some of that is playing with better creators in the pick and roll, things like that. You're going to rack those up, you know, CP3, Devin Booker. But in general, I've just been really, really impressed with Aiton. And uh, I, he, he just had me in almost in disbelief, even though it's becoming a common thing for him now. For sure. I mean, understandably so, because with Aiton, what he, what he started from and where he is now, it's a dramatic difference. And you could say similar things about Devin Booker, the player that he was in college, where he was effectively a spot-up shooter, I believe. John Calipari, his freshman year, had him run, I think, six or seven. Don't go there, Kev. Don't go there. Pretty wild. I mean, Cat <laughs> also didn't shoot a single three as a freshman, so I'm not sure what's going on with the offensive roles down there. But with Devin Booker, <laughs> he has turned himself into a heck of a player. But in that game four, and really ever since breaking his nose, his production has dropped eight for 20 in game four for 25 points. I mean, he's playing with great effort out there still, fighting defensively, still trying to facilitate a bit, play his role. But they do need Booker, whether it's in finishing out the series or in the NBA Finals, both him and Chris Paul need to get back on track. Chris Paul still doesn't look like his full self. Six for 22 in that game four. We just watched for 18 points. Settling for a lot of mid-range jumpers. That's a lot to do with what the Clippers are doing against them. Zubats is playing great defense, really protecting the rim. Clippers are forcing those mid-range jumpers with their style on defense. Um, but with Phoenix, I, I am curious, Kyle. It seems like they aren't getting to some of the stuff that's worked for them throughout the entire season. They're not seeing Cameron Johnson cuts quite as much. Mikel Bridges cutting to the rim. There seems to be a little bit less motion and a little bit more stagnant on the offensive end, aside from portions of that first half when they were just pushing the pace, really pushing. Uh, is there any reason for concern or any any hope for the Clippers to be able to get back into this? Or is this just some, you know cold shooting from Devin Booker and Chris Paul. This might be over already. If mm. if if one thing if what you, what you just described is there's sort of like a trickle down effect. I mean, there's trickle down economics in basketball where you're talking about 
your perimeter stuff getting taken away, those guys aren't creators. They're not on ball a lot. So a lot of those opportunities that they get are the result of the front end of the flow of, of offensive flow. And for for Phoenix uh, throughout this series, I think it's it really has just purely been a case of all three of their creators have had something going on. Devin Booker, you know, Pat Bev has defended him well, but I mean, he broke his freaking nose. So, I mean, that's the thing. And his discomfort obviously is, is a result of that. <laughs> And then uh, I don't know if you uh, Mike Prada is a guy on Twitter who and one of the smartest basketball yeah. people writing. Super, he made super it super bright. Yeah, I tried to articulate this and he did it much better than I ever could have. Where he was just talking about you know Booker loves those coming with a head of steam off of a double screen like or a DHO and coming down and kind of getting you off balance and cooking you that way. He's not much of a like in an e- in a crowded elevator make like a physical kind of ISO move and get you. But with Pat Bev. He has had ex- success around the elbow, you know, shooting over him. He hit that famous, he hit that game winner where he yelled at Pat Bev last year. <laughs> he has a size advantage on him in that area. So you notice they were doing less north to south momentum actions and more south to north where he was popping up off of a yes. pin down and then getting to it. But but what Mike said that I think is correct is that Pat gets into to book early. He hits first and not every defender is like that. Pat is very much a hit first just human being in general, I would say. And, uh, but you saw kind of, you know, he, he started to kind of get a little bit momentum over the course of the game. But then also you, with our other creators, campaign sprains his ankle, CP3 had the COVID stuff. It, it's just a weird, it's weird that all three of those things happen at once. And I think that affected the rest of their offense. For sure. I mean, I think of the Clippers side of things here, they are down 3-1 in the series. Teams that have led a 3-1 series have won 95% of the time, a 251-13 to record. I mean, like the, for the Clippers here, Ty Lue might say it's very doable for them to come back, but the odds are not good here. Even though we did it once before, you had LeBron James on your team when it happened in the NBA Finals. But for the Clippers, the fact, you know, without Kawhi Leonard, They were able to get past Utah. The fact that they're still won a game against Phoenix. They've been competitive. You still have to give the Clippers and Ty Lue credit here because think about it. Ty Lue uh, didn't use Zubats or Beverly a lot to finish games in round one. Zubats barely plays at all in round two. And now in round three, these guys are fixtures of the rotation. And Zubats is playing great basketball. He played a career high in minutes in that game four, and they needed it from him. When they don't have Zubats, especially with Marcus Morris being limited with the knee soreness that he has, they have to have Zubats. And Beverly's done a heck of a job. I mean, I, sometimes like, like the Russell Westbrook quote about he just runs around, he's got everybody fooled about his defense. Like the guy's a legit good defender in certain matchups, right? Mm-hmm. And he's had done a good job this series. So for the Clippers here, down 3-1, I keep coming back to Paul George, Kyle, because oh, yeah. th- they're in positions to win. They are in positions to win. Paul George in game four, impressive playmaking. I thought he made some really smart passes, 16 rebounds, played really good defense, was active, but again, struggled to score the ball. Five for 20 from the field, 12 of 18 from the free throw line. He had the 24 second violation down the stretch of the game, which I thought was just inexcusable. You got to have time and situational awareness in these moments. He didn't there. I, I I find myself just sitting here watching games thinking to myself, what is Kawhi Leonard up in his suite, comfortable thinking about as he watches his co-star go 5 for 20, 12 for 18, 24 second violations. I wonder what Kawhi Leonard is thinking in that moment. What do you think he's thinking about, Kyle? You're trying to ask me what 
I think Kawhi Leonard is thinking. Yes. Um, He's a blank slate. You can say whatever you want. It all applies. I feel like Kawhi, he has a very quiet mind, I would say. Yes. Kawhi, Kawhi just lives. He has a quiet mind. He lives very in the moment. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, he, might, he might be very calculated. He might be fooling us all. No, I don't he mean he's be. dumb. I just mean it, Kawhi just seems like a very like peaceful. <laughs> he doesn't mm-hmm. seem in turmoil to me ever. Pa- Paul George, I feel like we should just start calling him playoff pumpkin because he, he did it yet again. He he threw out like him blowing kisses after the third quarter of that last game dude, to me was the I most. I couldn't believe Paul, it. <laughs> that was the most Paul George thing. I was just like, dude. I was just like, it's I just the third can't. quarter. <laughs> he almost reminds me of like Roman from uh, from Succession. Like uh, I don't know if you've watched that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like do, I do. it's just like he's yeah. always like you know really putting it out there that he's and, and he, he'll show flashes where you're like okay yeah there's, there's something there and then he blows up a rocket and keeps Roman it saying, you know what I mean? come for Paul George oh my I don't God. know it's just I just I catch myself just being like what in the world are you doing so talented um and he's one of the most frustrating superstars I don't even know if I can remember who's the who's the most who's the most frustrating can you think of another person like this that just like consistently Makes you bang your head against the wall like like Paul George does. Mm. Not in the way he does it because usually those guys like it's clunky, right? Like it can be it, like with Paul George, it still looks smooth even when he screws up. Yeah, right. <laughs> it looks smooth still. He looks so good when he it screws looks great. Up. Like the twenty four second violation was so slick. It looks yeah. great. It, it was aesthetically great, and his braids look excellent. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, I yeah, mean, it looks great. But yeah, I mean, I'll tell I you just, what I think Kawhi's thinking, Kyle. Oh, okay, yeah, he, he's, back. Think, he's thinking I want to change. I figure that's where you're going with that. Yeah, I mean. uh, that's what I think. That's Kawhi Leonard's thinking. It what do you think the, the change is? Year. I that's that's where I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure what the answer is. I'm not sure what the best fit might be for a trade if Kawhi even comes back. Still a question there. Has not signed a contract. Will be an unrestricted free agent, and there will be many teams that have interest in him. He will have options. I just, I just don't know what the deal is because if you're, if let's say you are trading Paul George, that's what I was going to say. It might not we'll, be a case of Kawhi we'll, leaving. It might yes, be. I know. <laughs> exactly. What a turn that would be. What a turn it would be if we went yeah. from OKC getting a war chest of uh, shout out to the press box. I said war chest, getting a war chest of assets. For for Paul George, or you know, and what what a sequence that would be if it ended up that Kawhi went there to be with Paul George and then got him traded. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what: the stories about Kawhi Leonard looking elsewhere will be coming soon. Assuming the Clippers lose a series, they need Reggie Jackson uh, to continue stepping up to keep them in these games. Twenty two points, averaging twenty two points on forty nine percent field goal percentage ever since Kawhi Leonard went down in Game Five. They were chanting Reggie, Reggie at one point in the fourth quarter. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he he's become one of the most unlikely playoff hopes or I don't want to call it a hero for the Clippers, keeping them competitive in these games. But ultimately. You know, for the Clippers here, without Kawhi Leonard, they just don't have enough, man. I real, I really think it's that simple. And when we're talking about if this series has any chance of extending here, I really do think it ties back to what we talked about last week. No Kawhi Leonard, no chance. A wise person once told me basketball is is simple. Uh, we do tend to overcomplicate it at times, <laughs> and when you just are without a superstar, and you're 
Another thing too is, man, whenever these teams are orchestrated around superstars and that that thing that piece isn't there anymore, yeah, you're going to see an impact. You're going to see you're going to see an effect of that. And the Suns down, it just to me, it just seems like the Clippers are spinning plates to create offense, and yeah. the Suns um, are a better are the better execution team ultimately defensively. Again, like I said, Aiton absolutely brilliant. It was good to have campaign back for them. I thought that was huge. I guess the other thing here too. I, well, I was looking at Paul George's contract. I mean, he's on till he's 24, 25, <laughs> $48.7 million. Mm. So, what I mean, do you think that like Serge instead of Zubac would have made a difference? That would be my last thought on this. Yeah, I think Sergi Baca's loss has weirdly fallen under the radar here. Uh, not having him certainly hurts the Clippers here. I'm not so sure it would swing the series in their favor. Uh, to have Ibaka available. He's still, I mean, look, if we're talking about full strength, 100% Serge Ibaka, maybe that would make a dramatic difference. But the last version of Serge Ibaka we saw towards the end of the season, worn out, coming back from injury, I, I don't think that would make much of a difference at all in, in this situation. No. Why, why do you feel a little bit differently that maybe that would help out? I don't. I, I was just curious to throw that out to you. The other question I wanted to ask you is, okay, let's say, let's say hypothetically we go to the huddle. And Ty Lue gets out the board and he just says, all right, every time down, we're feeding it to Boogie, DeMarcus Cousins, get on the block. <laughs> what do you think the Clippers' chances are, Kev? Do you think – I? because I think it swings the series and I think they go ahead and win their first title if they do that because that's just uh, my unbiased opinion. Because Kentucky, yeah, right. right. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Since you mentioned Boogie, I have to bring this up. Uh, the free throws at the end of the game, George misses, Cousins gets fouled, goes to the line. When he intentionally missed, he threw it at the backboard, which is not allowed. When you hit, when you intentionally miss a free throw and try to get a rebound, you have to hit the rim. Earlier in the week, Ty Lue was compared to Bill Belichick. I'm sorry. Bill Belichick would have all of his players aware of the situation in that scenario and make it abundantly clear, don't hoist it off the backboard. Ty Lue is, has coached a great playoffs as a Patriots fan here, I have to show my bias. I was going to say, you're just flipping there, it right back on me. There's nobody who compares to Bill Belichick in terms of game and situational awareness. I mean, he is the GOAT of coaches for that reason. Ty Lue, very, very good. Maybe great. Uh, but in that situation, that blunder can't happen. Neither can the 24-second violation by Paul George. Granted, that's not Ty Lue's fault. But some major blunders by the Clippers down the stretch of that game. Yes, the mental errors did not help, especially when you consider their margin. Their margin for error was considering all things considered. They need their shot making to be outrageous. And if they can't generate consistent offense or, you know, especially a lot of that goes through Paul George. You know, I think you're you're depending on Reggie Jackson more than you probably would like on that front. If you can't get that going, it's just going to be really hard for the Clippers. Uh, I could I could live to be wrong on that, but uh, I don't yeah. expect to be. The Suns just look, even when they're not playing well, um, they're... they're they're playing well in a way, you know what I mean? Like the, the integrity of their, of their identity as a team. And that's why you go try to build teams with, <laughs> with like structural <laughs> integrity like that, because <laughs> when the other stuff isn't there, inevitably, sometimes it's not going to be that. Yep. Those are the things that help you win ballgames. So top down James Jones, Monty Williams, tire coaching staff and the players all buy in at all levels. The Suns team is here for a reason. Some injuries for the opponents have helped along the way. Um, but ultimately, the Suns team could be here anyway because of that structural integrity you're talking about. We have game three of Bucks Hawks on Sunday night. Game five of Clippers Suns potentially could wrap up on Monday. Kyle, next weekend, we'll be recording Saturday night instead of Sunday night. On the schedule for that is game six 
of Bucks Hawks. We'll see if at that point we still have a series or not. I look forward to watching some great basketball this week and talking with you next Saturday, Kyle. Hope you have a fun day. You too, man. Likewise. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Ringer NBA Show, and thank you to Steve Allman for producing it. Please do us a favor and follow The Ringer NBA Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again for listening. I hope you have a fun day. 